0: so that they will become doers of the things that they hear and not hearers only. And in particular, as it concerns this conference, power to accelerate them, Lord God, into dynamic spiritual growth and personal advancement, so that they will be all you have planned them to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And all those that agreed and received every blessing I mentioned, agreed and said... That's better. Praise the Lord. Whenever you say amen, you are telling God, I agree with what was prayed and I've received it as my own. Praise the Lord. Tonight, I'm going to speak to us about fruit, the fruit of the Spirit and prosperity. This is an acceleration conference and there are two main things. Uh, I spoke to your pastor Uh, when he invited me that were a part of the theme of this meeting. Number one, spiritual growth, spiritual advance, spiritual development. And then secondly, you know, personal advancement in your personal secular lives. And I want you to know that God is interested in how we do. I thank God for... um, the pa- uh, uh, our sister, as that, that she was sharing with you, uh, just, before, just as we came in and I was, you know, uh, very blessed by the things she was saying, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And you don't really have to allow Satan to keep you in a rut. Many, many times when we face challenges and we have all kinds of problems in our lives, you know, if we're not careful, we tend to feel maybe God has forgotten us or this is such a big problem, we can't get over it. But I want you to know that God has a great destiny. And I love that word she used, destiny. There is a destiny God has earmarked for you. The Bible tells us, it says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I ordained you, in the case of Jeremiah, to be a prophet to the nations. But in your own case, God knew you and he ordained you to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And it is as you fulfill that destiny, all the other things about your life that you want God to do will be fulfilled. God's plan for your life is far bigger than your own plan for yourself. God has far greater things in store for you than you can even begin to think or imagine. But it's all hidden in you fulfilling his purpose. Another thing a a pastor said tonight when she was speaking was the fact that, you know, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is the law that you are operating under as a New Testament believer and Christian. And it's vital to understand how that law operates and to get yourself you know operating in it so that like she said you know it doesn't matter if the other people were riding a bicycle or they were riding a motorbike but a guy who is in a jet hallelujah will certainly overtake them hallelujah so god is fixing to get you to Greater, far greater heights than you could even begin to think or imagine as you begin to operate efficiently. And there's a key word there, efficient, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Let me start by talking about the fruit of the spirit. We all know the scripture. It's in Galatians uh, uh, chapter 5. And we look at verses 17 through 20 i'm not 22 i'm not going to read everything i'm just going to pick as the lord the holy spirit directs me and uh you'll 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 be able to follow along with me verse 16 galatians chapter 5 it says this i say then walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh now when the king james translation says the flesh Uh, the more modern versions like the New International Version or the Amplified uh, will let you know that it's actually the sin nature that is inside the physical body and inside the soul. So when you say the word flesh we're not just talking about the physical body by itself, we're talking about the sin nature. There is a nature of sin that is inside the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit The spirit against the flesh says, these are contrary one to another, so you cannot do the things you want to do. Uh, In the uh, uh, New International Version, it says they're in conflict. That's why we need to understand that law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. They're in conflict. That's why many Christians live below their potential. Because of this nature of sin that is inside the flesh That many times seems to hinder us from doing the things we want to do it's important here to see that Paul says you cannot do the things you want to do so you want to do the right thing but something sometimes seems to pull us back and it is not the will of God that uh, uh, that be the case that we be pulled back it is the will of God that we have victory over the flesh or this sin nature that is in the flesh. And then in verse 18, he says, If you are led of the spirit, you are not under the law. And then in verses 19, 20, and 21, he began to talk about all the different lusts of the flesh, you know, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and so on and so forth. You know, but what I want to zero in on here is verse 22, 23. And 24. And what it says here is that the fruit, but the fruit of the spirit, would say the fruit of the spirit, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, that's what the original Greek says, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. There is nothing that can overcome the power of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And he goes on to say, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. I'm going to explain that as I go along. You can use and you should use uh, the power of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit inside you to put to death. That's. Give this, give this to me, more, the Amplified Bible, verse 24 in the Amplified. And uh, I got it right here. It says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh, the godless human nature with his passions and appetites. We can use and we should use and we must use uh, the power of the Holy Spirit to put to death—the word "crucify" means to kill. To put to death the uh, 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 the sin nature and all the things. And uh, you know, sin. I say this to all the time uh, in our school, uh, the children in our school, uh, life for they come to our service every Sunday, and I say to them, sin is a waste of time. It's actually a waste of time. Apart from it being more morally repugnant, it's a waste of time, and it's a distraction from. What God actually has in store for you and the great things God has for you. When we understand who we truly are as Christians, you will you just have you begin to understand that you don't have time for sin. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't have time for sin. I'm too busy. I'm too busy for God. I've got greater things. Say it after me, I've got greater things to do than to mess around with sin. Hallelujah. So, I want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, then I'm not going to talk about prosperity or your personal advancement. But one is directly connected to the other. The fruits of the Spirit, these things which I've spoken about, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control, are actually spiritual forces. They are not just nice emotions. Oh, they affect our emotions. But originally and fundamentally, they are spiritual forces. What do I mean by spiritual forces? They are the the virtues of God that emanate from God's nature and God's character. And really, they are forces in the sense that they impinge... Uh, or there are incidents on your mind, your will, your emotions, your body, even your circumstances. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, cause those things to be in subjection, the mind, the will, the emotions, the, the body, the circumstances, to be in subjection to the will of God so that it is what God wants that will actually be done. The Lord Jesus said something in the prayer we call the Lord's Prayer. He said, when you pray, say, you know, our Father which art in heaven and so on and so forth. He said, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The word kingdom there is uh, made of two words. King. King. And dominion. It's actually talking about the dominion of the king. The dominion of God. God's dominion over your life. God's dominion over your, 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 your circumstances. God's dominion over your body. God's dominion over your mind. God's dominion over your will. God's dominion over your emotions. So that's what controls. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 14 in verse 17. He said the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. But what is it? It's righteousness, peace, and joy. And then he says this. This is very important. He says, in the Holy Ghost. In other words, these spiritual forces are powered from behind by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we often think of the fruit of the Spirit, we just think of maybe, you know, if you say something like meekness and gentleness, you seem to think that it's weak. But it's not weak. It's actually the f- power of God. It's actually God's nature with his force that is behind it. For instance, when Jesus was on the boat and he said, let's go to the other side and there was a storm, you know, and, and you know, he was sleeping, you know, and uh, Peter and James and John, you know, began to worry when the water started going to the boat and it looked as if it was going to drown and the Bible says you know they, they are working him and said master master care us not thou that we perish and the Bible says and he awoke he he got up and said peace be still what happened he released the spiritual force of peace and suddenly all of that storm and everything just calmed down there, there, there was a force from Lucifer from Satan that had caused, he says, by reason of a wind. And, and, and the wind was boisterous and the, and the sea was billowing and all of that. But when the force of God, when the power of God, the peace of God, when it came out, it stilled it immediately. Glory be to God. And it doesn't matter what you're facing now. The power of God will still it in your life in Jesus' name. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your heart and your mind. That's just an illustration of how these are spiritual forces. They're not just nice emotions. They affect our emotions, but originally they are spiritual forces. And we need to understand that and how they emanate and how they are released you know and how to put them to work in our lives uh like uh, your pastor was saying uh, uh the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus that will set you free from the law of sin and death so these are wonderful spiritual forces and we need to understand as christians how to harness them and release them on a daily basis You know, so that they are what control our lives. They control our mind, control our will, control our emotions, control our bodies, control our circumstances. So that those things do not control us. Because if they do, they will keep us be, you know, under our potential. We will not be able to do all God wants us to do. You know, and and that's why so many of many Christians, sadly, you know, live what I call ordinary lives. You know, even people who are not born again, some of them are not born again, who don't feel the Holy Spirit, who doesn't know God, he can have a relatively successful life, you know, an ordinary life. But the kind of life God has called us to far supersedes that we're called to a supernatural life. We don't live, like Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, how can you be walking as mere men? You shouldn't walk as an ordinary man. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not an ordinary man. You are not a mere man. You're a God man. Give yourselves a clap offering, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. You're not an ordinary, you must stop thinking like a natural human being. Yes, you are a human being, don't misunderstand me, but there is a divine identity. You are of God little children and I've overcome them. You are of God. So God is inside you and you have to live in that consciousness and allow the divine to dominate the human. So when people see you, they stop seeing an ordinary person. they start seeing a God person. Praise the Lord. And they begin to say, you know what they said about Jesus? They said, what manner of man is this? They should be saying that about you. What manner of man is this? Is this not the son of Joseph and Mary? Whose daddy and mommy we know? Isn't this the carpenter? And they'll start saying that about you. Isn't that that lawyer? Isn't that that doctor? Isn't that that engineer? Ha! But how, where does he get this kind of wisdom from? Where does he get this kind of power from? He gets it from God. Praise the Lord. Okay. Now, I have to explain something that is very, very fundamental to us uh, about the operation of these spiritual forces how these things work. If you go to Ephesians chapter 2, in verses 2 and 3, the Apostle Paul begins to, uh, I I, I do my major things from the King James, and then I go to the modern versions as the Holy Spirit directs me, and that's what I'll do tonight. You know, Paul is talking to these Ephesians. Now it's very important to understand that these Ephesians were born-again Christians. Not only were they born-again Christians, they were spirit-filled. They were speaking in tongues. The church in Ephesus where Paul met them in Acts chapter 19, about 12 men. He laid hands on them. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's not talking to unbelievers. These scriptures are not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to people who are born-again were spirit-filled then he, 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 he says to them he said in times past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, air the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience you know making us fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind I'm paraphrasing in a sense, you know. And if someone said, well, oh, that was when we, before we got born again. Yes, that's true. But it's that same thing he's talking about in Galatians. When he said to people who are born again, who are spirit-filled and said, you've got this conflict between the sin nature in the flesh and the divine nature in your spirit. I cannot go any further because I have to explain this, you will never understand your Christian life. Neither will you be able to understand how to live in continuous victory. We do have victory, and then we, we we usually we have our ups, and we go we go down. We go have ups, and we go down. We have our ups, and we go down. And that's one of the reasons for this conference to to to, to stir us up. At the beginning, you know, at the middle of the year, God's given us a prophetic word at the, at, at the beginning of this year in our church, and, and it's not only for our church, I'm sure it's true for everybody, that 2018 is going to be a year of upgrade. Turn to your neighbor and say, It's a year of upgrade for me. I'm moving up. Hallelujah. But you see, you look at, you're in June now, how much upgrade have you really got? And you begin to ask yourself, you know, is this thing working or is it not working? Turn to your neighbor and say, It's working on the inside. And it's it's going to show on the outside very soon. By the end of this conference, it will start showing on the outside in Jesus' name. Now, to understand these things, you have to understand spirit, soul, and body. I call it our divine anatomy. We are spirits. The Bible says that which is born of spirit is spirit. We're made in the image and the likeness of God. God is a spirit. We have a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then you live inside a physical body. The physical body is not you, really. The physical body is just the clothing that your spirit is wearing. I'm wearing this uh, resource control, they call it. You know, I'm wearing it now. You know, this, this sleeve is moving up and down. You know why? Because my hand is in it and my man is causing to move them down. My, 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 but I'm wearing these clothes now. So if I go like this, the cloth goes with me. If I go like this, the cloth goes with me. When I get to the hotel later on this evening and I take off these clothes and I put them on the bed, it won't move anymore. Because the man is no longer wearing it. Your spirit is wearing your body. Your body is not you. Your body is just the clothing that your spirit has because you are on earth. Are you listening to me? Now, this is crucial. When you got born again, the nature of God was planted in your spirit, not in your body. It was not planted in your, in your body. It was not even planted in your soul. It was planted in your spirit. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, that which is born of spirit is what? Spirit. So the nature of God is in our spirit, in the innermost being. Bible Because, you know, your belly is just, you know, talking about your innermost being. But the sin nature is still in the soul to a degree and in the body. So it is a sin nature in the soul and in the body that is in conflict with the divine nature that is inside your spirit. So this is what the devil does. He, the Bible calls him the prince of the power of the air. So what he does is that he begins to release spiritual for Again, there's forces. See, all those things we read about, you know, the, the, the loss of the flesh, adultery, fornication, you know, uncleanness, and so on and so forth. You, you, you find that they originate as spiritual forces they are they are actually lusts a lust is a desire that is not consistent to the will of god and what satan does is just like you have the remote control of a television you know when you get home this evening you'll have your remote control and you want to change the channel when you press a button you know the channel changes, but really what happens is that when you press the button on the remote control, there is an electromagnetic wave at a particular frequency that is released from that remote control and the the television has a receiver. So that receiver will now receive that wave and it will trigger something in an electrical circuit that will cause the channel to change. Now, this is what Paul is describing here in Ephesians chapter 2. When he's talking about the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, causing us to fulfill two desires. Desires of the mind and of the flesh. So what happens is this in practice. You're going along your way quite innocently. And suddenly this thought comes to your mind. You're not going to make it oh! Things are really bad. There is no hope for you. See, you are even feeling weak in your body. And you think, oh, that's me. Oh, I don't know why I'm feeling so low. I don't know why I'm feeling so, you know, discouraged. I don't know why. Maybe, you know, and you begin to, you know, ponder that in your heart and in your mind. You don't realize that an enemy has done this. There's somebody who is trying to tell you to be what you really are not. The real you, the spirit man on the inside, that has the nature of God, is, that's not what God is telling you. But it comes upon your mind, it comes upon your will, it comes upon your emotions. It's like, it's like a force from the outside. It impinges or it is incident on the mind, the will and the emotions. And it's making you desire and feel things that are contrary to the will of God. It works both in the will, in the mind, in the soul, as well as in the flesh, and even in the circumstances. He can try and, you know, synchronize things so that what you are feeling in your mind or what you're hearing in your mind, what you're feeling in your flesh, you know, and what is happening, your circumstances, all are in synchrony. And he's trying to push you to do something you shouldn't do. And if you're not, if if you're not, if you're not, Spiritually observant. You will think it's just natural. It's, it's natural because it's using the natural things inside the body. But it is really not God. It's, 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 it's the devil operating from the air. I'm not talking about having a demon or being demon possessed. No, 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 no. I'm talking about spiritual forces that are operating in the air and are, have a cooperation of the Uh, sin nature that is inside the flesh, and when the two of them, when the one in the air meets the one inside the flesh, and what is inside is not strong enough to counteract what is coming from the outside, then what happens in Galatians chapter 5 is what takes place. It says, so that you cannot do the things you would do. You want to do the right thing, but you find yourself somehow, you know, doing the wrong thing. But the good news is that there is an answer to this. There is a way out. And your pastor spoke about it tonight. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has what? Set you free. From the law of sin and death. So this is the scenario. We're having spiritual forces from the air incident upon the sin nature that is inside the flesh, that is inside the mind, that is inside the will and that's inside the emotions. The good news is the power of the Holy Spirit has been given to us to be able to counteract and overcome and neutralize and like, I like the word he uses, crucify these lusts of the flesh. these All these negative spiritual forces that are coming from the air that are incident on our souls and our bodies. And we see the answer, I've highlighted the problem, but we see the answer to this in Romans chapter 8. Let's go to Romans chapter 8 now. And uh, look at verse 2 to start with. Says so for the law, everybody say it together with me. For the law, of the spirit of life, life. in Christ Jesus life. hath made me free, made free. From, the from the law of sin and death. The Observe they are both laws. The easiest way to understand it is to use a natural equivalent: the law of gravity and the law of lift. Everybody knows the law of gravity. If you throw something up, it will come down. Why does it come down? Because there's a gravitational force between whatever it is you throw up. It can be like a ball or whatever, you know, and the earth. The earth is attracting that thing and there's a force. Then there's another law in aeronautics. That's the law they used to fly aeroplanes, which is called the law of um, lift. When you petrol or kerosene, that's what um, um, aeroplanes use, you rev a jet engine, and that's why I like that illustration uh, that she gave us, you know, you rev a jet engine, what happens is that it releases a force. Now, the force that it releases becomes stronger than the force of gravity. So, the, 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 the force of the law of lift in aeronautics, it becomes stronger than the law of gravity, and the airplane rises, and it begins to fly. It's, it, 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 watch this: Gravity is still there. It's still there. But there is another law now in operation that is superior to it. Now, I got news for you: Keep the engines on. <laughs> Hello somebody. You need to keep the engine and make sure there's fuel in that plane. If the fuel runs out or you find the fact that the engine goes off, what's going? It's coming down. That's what happens to us in our Christian lives. The law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets you free and you're, you're hovering, you're, you're soaring like an eagle. And then after some time, you know, the quantity of the word of God inside you drops. The quantity of the life of God inside you drops and you switch off the ignition. Your mouth is no longer, <laughs> you, know, you stop all of that. You know what's going to happen? It starts coming down. So, what you got to learn is to do what the Bible says. I've discovered that the Bible is a book of precision. That's why I said, Pray without season. He knows exactly what he's talking about. Because when you pray without season, you're putting those forces to work all the time. So, you stay airborne 24 <laughs> 7. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Glory be to God. You stay airborne all the time. It's not as if the law of gravity is not there. It's not as if the law of sin and death is not there. It's there. But what greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world? You're putting to work a higher force than that one. And so long as you maintain it, you stay free. And so this is the thing we need to understand and to learn. And so I I, want to... I have introduced this so that we can understand what the fruit of the Spirit really are. Really, the fruit of is just one fruit. It's actually love. But love has many components. Just like you have light. White light has red, orange, yellow, green, indigo, violet, you know, blue, and all of that. These are the components of white light. In the same way, the components of the fruit of the Spirit, love, is one fruit, love. You see it in First Corinthians chapter 13. Love endures long. Love is patient. Love is kind. That's three of the fruit of the Spirit they're right there. There's patience, there's kindness, and there's long-suffering. It's all inside the fruit of the Spirit. It's all inside love. And so the love of God, you know, contains all of these fruit of the Spirit. But uh, you have to understand that they're not just nice emotions They're not just gentle things. They're spiritual forces. And you must release them by your tongue. You must release them by praying in the spirit. You must release them by speaking God's word. And that's why the Bible said, This book of the law shall not... I didn't hear you, somebody. Say, This book of the law... Turn to your neighbor and say, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you will meditate in it day and night so you will observe to do according to all that is written therein he's telling you keep the law working because as you speak God's word you're releasing spiritual power it is that power of the Holy Spirit that is moving into the mind, it's moving into the will, it's moving into the emotion, it's moving into the physical body and then it is enforcing God's dominion so that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. See the world is, 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 is Satan's domain. That's where he operates, the, 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 the prince of the power of the air, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. That's the world. But what is in us is greater than what is inside the world. We just have to release it. See, God's already in us, all of us, born again, spirit-filled Christians. But is he dormant or is he active? The degree to which He is active is the degree to which you will experience victory. You can have God there and lock him up. Lock him up in your spirit and then he's not operating in the mind, he's not operating in the soul, or as he should be, and then so you have these other negative things that are trying to drag you down. But by the time you end this conference, you're going to accelerate. Yes. Hallelujah. You're going to release these things and then you keep them working. Are you listening to me? Okay. So, this, the, this this is the... Uh, A thing I want us to understand about this that these are spiritual forces. Just like I gave the illustration of the remote control of the television, it's an invisible wave, but it's having a physical effect. You can see. You can't see when you when you put on your when you put on the uh, remote control. You can't see the wave, but it's there. And it travels at the speed of life. It hits that receiver inside an electronic something. Electrons start moving all over the whole place. And it triggers something you can see. So it is with your spiritual life. It's invisible. You can't see it. But if you start saying the right thing. And you start believing the right thing. And you start releasing the right thing. It will start programming things in your life. And inside your circumstances. And you you will start. Watch this. You will start getting the right channels. Instead of watching rubbish, you start seeing God. You will start hearing God. You will start feeling God. You know what? The, the problem now is that many times we're tuned to the wrong channel. So we're getting the wrong signals from the wrong remote control. And it's making us see what we don't want to see. God wants you to see Goodness and kindness and gentleness. The Bible says, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I've come to see brethren. I've been in this thing now about 40 years. I got born again in 1979. It will be 40 years next year, you know. And by the mercy and the grace of God, I can tell you on the authority of God's word and my personal experience that if you would do it the way the Bible says you, do, you should do it, you will get the Bible results. Oh, yes. The law of the spirit of life in Christ just will set you free. And watch this. Keep you free. Hallelujah. From the law of sin. And death and as those fruit of the Spirit begin to grow and they begin to develop in your life is going to open the door to personal advancement. Third John chapter 2 says beloved I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health how even as thy soul prospers God ties material prosperity to spiritual prosperity. Let me let me paraphrase that. The degree to which you will prosper financially, materially, we call it personal advancement, home, family life, success in your business, all those things. The degree to which you will be effective there is the degree to which your soul is prospering. It's that degree. If you want more prosperity, you got to have more fruit. I would say more prosperity is brought by more fruit. So if I want plenty prosperity, then I have to have plenty fruit. That's why I've called the message "fruit and prosperity." The fruit of the spirit is the gateway. It's it's a. Jesus said in another way. He said, "Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness," and He said all the material things will be added. You can't put the cart before the horse. you got to put kingdom. And when you say kingdom, we're not talking about heaven alone. It involves that. But in this particular context, we're talking about righteousness, peace, and joy in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul said. He said, if you seek that first. He said, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Watch this. The master said, the nations, the the heathen, he said, that's what they seek after. He said, your father knows you have need of them. God knows you have need of them. He said, I'm going to tell you how to get them. Seek first. First means priority. He didn't say seek only. God knows you have to go to work. God knows you have to go to school. God knows you are are still in this world. You you didn't go go and lock yourself in a room and pray 24 hours a day. No. But he said, put that first. Put that priority. He said, if you put that priority, then you will find that the spiritual forces, the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the meekness, the self-control, and the patience, if they're in domination, if they're dominating the mind, the will, and the emotions, is going to show you how to prosper. For I am the Lord God that teacheth thee to profit and leaded thee in the way that thou shouldest go. God will start, where other people are spending 10 hours, five weeks, you know, months to get something, God will show how to do it in two days. Because his righteousness, his love, his joy, his peace, his wisdom, is being given to you. What other people are struggling, you know, will struggle for years to get, God will show you how to get it in three months. He will put you in the right place with the right people at the right time. Three hours. Everybody say, right place, right, place. right people, right, people. Right, people. Right, time. right time. None of those things must be missing. It's like a three combination lock. You know these padlocks that have, you know, a three combination lock. You know, you have to get all the figures right. If one of the figures is off, the padlock doesn't open. So if, you have the, if you're in the right place, let's say right place. Right, right people. Right, right time. Right. The door will always open for you. Glory be to God. And God does it through the fruit of the Spirit. That's why I said, I wish. Another translation says, I pray above all all things that you prosper and be in health then he tells you the condition even as thy soul prospers let let's ask the rhetorical question i've already mentioned it but i'll i'll just you know rehash it in a different way what is a prosperous soul what is a prosperous how can i measure the prosperity of my soul. And the first thing I need to do is understand what my soul is and I've told you what it is. It's the will, the mind and the emotions. Your soul is a part of your inner man but there is a difference between your spirit and your soul. Hebrews chapter 4. The Word of God is powerful, living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the deep Abiding asunder of soul and spirit. So they're not the same. In the Greek, the word spirit is pneuma. The word soul is soma. It's not the same. They're not the same word. Go and check it. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. It says, you know, I pray God that your whole spirit and soul and body. So the soul is the mind. It is the will and the emotions. Now, how do I measure... The prosperity of my soul. I give it in a very simple way. The degree to which your will is submitted to the will of God or the degree of your humility. Number two, the degree to which your mind has been renewed or enlightened with God's word. Then number three, the degree to which your emotions are controlled by the fruit of the Spirit. Peace. Joy, long-suffering. The more you see that, the more your soul is prospering. The less you see that, the less your soul is prospering. And as your soul prospers, uh, then your prosperity will increase. Hallelujah. I've got good news for you. God is about to showcase his people to the world. The world doesn't know anything yet. Hallelujah. There is a level of success and prosperity that God is going to give the church that will outstound the world. He's just looking for Christians who will be serious enough to prosper their souls. See, God, God is too let me let me say it another way. God loves you too much to prosper you above the prosperity of your soul. Because the prosperity of fools will destroy them. And God doesn't want to destroy you. So it's the degree to which your soul prospers that he's going to prosper you. It's like a direct proportionality. The more your soul prospers, the more God can give you. Look at, I didn't plan to say this, but it's come to me by the spirit. Look at what happened to Solomon. God gave him so much wisdom so much wisdom so much prosperity and Solomon blew it he blew it he spent the money on 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 stupid wives for you and, and they brought in all their gods and everything watch this even Though Solomon had such great wisdom and, and, and that God had given him, the Bible says, you know, he, 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 the, the mind of Solomon was like, the gave him, you know, broadness of mind like the sand at the seashore. You know, all that could not give him self-control. You can be intellectually sharp and have no character. I'm a great one for intellect, you know, I did physics, engineering and all of that, you know. So I'm not beating down intellect or education, but it must must compare pursue with the character. Because if you have somebody who is an intellectual giant, but he is not developed in his emotions. He's always getting angry. He's always getting depressed. He doesn't have joy, peace, long-suffering, dominating. He's going to become a wreck. And God loves you too much. He loves you too much. So that's why he tied true prosperity to the prosperity of the soul. And as you're going to this second half of 2018, and that's why God has asked us to have this conference and to come here and to share this with you. This is what's going to accelerate you. I didn't hear you. I said this is what's going to accelerate you. It's going to take you into that upgrade. It's going to take you into that place of fulfillment, that place of advancement because you've got it right now. You laid the correct foundation. And you say, God, I'm going to let my mind and my will and my emotions be controlled by the fruit of the spirit. Be, be dominated. That's a better word. Because the word, that's the word kingdom. The dominion of the king. Be dominated. So, see, you get tempted. Sure you get tempted like everybody else. You know, maybe sorrow comes and maybe discouragement comes and maybe confusion comes. These things happen because we're in this world. In the world, we will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So, when sorrow comes, you replace it with joy. When confusion comes, you replace it with peace. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. When temptation comes, you replace it with self control. There's nobody who isn't tempted. The Bible says, even the Lord Jesus was tempted in every way, like as we are. He said, but yet without sin. He says, Away. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Now, I want to talk the next few minutes about prosperity. Having laid this foundation of the fact that God wants us to develop the fruit of the Spirit and so that our soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions will become under the control on a constant basis. You see, this thing is dynamic. It's a dynamic thing. In other words, it's it's something that changes with time. That's why Jesus told his disciples, said, Watch and pray, so you don't fall into temptation. You know, he said, Could you not watch with me one hour? If you watch and pray, and then in another place he said, watch and pray always. Ephesians 6:18 says, Praying always. There's a reason why God said all that. It's not He didn't put it there for decoration. So as we as we develop the habit. Of communion and fellowship with the God and the Holy Spirit and we're releasing these forces, you know, these spiritual uh, forces, you know, from from the Holy Spirit through our human spirit into the mind, into the will, into the emotions, into the body, into our circumstances. What is going to happen is that as they dominate, as as they dominate the mind, the will, the emotions, we begin to see things the way God sees them. We begin to think the way God thinks. Even our feelings will be like God's feelings. You start feeling like God. The Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion. You start, you sense what God is sensing and then you, you move in that direction as the Holy Spirit is directing you. Now, it is the will of God that every single one of us prospers and is a success. You know why? There are very simple reasons. There are many reasons, but let me give you the simplest of it. The simplest, because God loves you. Turn to your neighbour and say, "Do you know God loves you? You're God's child, you know." How many of us here? I'm sure quite a number of us are, you know, have children and you want your children to go to school without shoes. Hello. Or you know. You Want your children to be hungry and look, you know, tattered and all of that, you know, and not you know, not not look good, and not not, not 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 you know, go to school hungry, go to school, you know, all their uniform are in tatters, they they don't have shoes on their feet, you know, you they have those good school bags. You know how 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 you would do anything, hallelujah, to make sure your children are well kitted, they're looking, they're looking good and everything. You know what the Bible says? It's such a simple truth, but it's so fundamental. If you being evil, know how to give good things to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give what? Good things to them that ask Him? God loves you more than you love yourself. God has no joy in your defeat. God has no; it does not. It's just like we, we we are we are made in the image and the likeness of God. Just like you don't have you don't, you don't you don't get any pleasure from seeing your children fail in exams, or see your children not do well in school, or see your children not you know uh, progress in life. In the same way, God has no; He doesn't give him. It, it it breaks his heart if I can use that expression when he, when his children are not doing well. In fact, the Bible says, God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. He actually derives pleasure from us succeeding, from us prospering as we ought. And so it is the will of God. You need to settle it in your mind once and for all. Don't let any devil tell you anything that is different because it is not scriptural. It is not the will of God. It is the will of God that every single one of us prospers and be in health. It is his will that we, we excel in life. The second reason is not only because he loves us, but that's his witness to the world. If you, if, if you say your God is a good God, and your God is a great God, and people can't see it, what does it profit? That, God wants to, he wants to use you to show off. Your, your success is God's publicity. Hallelujah. When you're succeeding properly, then you become, you make Christianity attractive. Then others too want to come and know this is your God. Hallelujah. So God, you know, He loves us. Then I mean, He also wants our prosperity to be a witness, our success to be a witness to the world. And then we do it differently. See, the world does it through cheating lying, and all kinds of things, but you do it through righteousness. And they say, eh? So is it possible to tell the truth? Is it possible to a person of integrity? Is it possible that this person, he doesn't cut corners, he doesn't tell lies, he doesn't exaggerate, he doesn't do that, and yet he's prospering. I, I want to know that, God. Hallelujah. That's why as Christians, we must not allow ourselves to do things that are contrary to the word of God and the will of God because it begins to destroy our testimony. You know, even if you have money and people know how you got it, they won't respect you. And then you come tomorrow and tell them, Jesus, you say, with Jesus, is it not you that came last week to our office and we know what you said and did? So, integrity is very, very important. So, it is the will of God that we prosper. The Bible actually says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 in verse 9, it says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't hear you. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, I didn't hear you, yet for your sakes, he became poor that you through his what poverty might get along might manage might be rich i didn't hear you might be rich god doesn't just want you to get along he wants you to actually be rich it's a part of our covenant blessing in christ jesus God has made it. It's one of the things. You see, Jesus died for many things. Jesus died and he became sin so that we'll be righteous. He became sick so that we'll be well. Then he became poor so that he will be rich. All of them are important in their place. Are you listening to me? And So, he wants us to be rich. Now, but there is a way. There is a way. And that is the essence of this message here, and the fruit and prosperity. The fruit of the Spirit is the key, is the, is the, is the, is the direction that is going to bring us into this uh, reality that God, as, as we go into this second half of this year, God wants to move you from where you are to where he wants you to be. Are you listening to me? There, there, there's a third reason, apart from being a good witness, you know, and that God loves us, why God wants us to be rich. The Bible says that, remember the Lord thy God. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Say this after me. Say, remember the Lord thy God. For it is He. Turn to your neighbor, it's not you. It is God who does this. For it is He. For it is he. Is not the man down the road. Is not one Godfather somewhere. You're listening to me. He may use the man down the road. He may use a Godfather, but that is never your source. Never put your eyes on man. Always, as a child of God, always put your eyes on God. For it is he that giveth thee the power. And that translation says ability. The power to do what? To get wealth. But there is a reason. That, that he may establish his covenant which he swore unto thy fathers as it is this day. God doesn't just want you to, be, to get by, have money, buy a nice house, have a nice car send your children to good schools, you know, all that is important in its place. God wants you to have all of that. But he doesn't want you to stop there. He wants you to get into abundance so that you can then have enough to give to the gospel. You can get, have enough so that you can go to missions and, 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 and put into tithes and put into offerings so that the work of God can increase and it can advance so that the covenant of God will be established in the earth. That should be your main motivation for becoming rich. You don't become rich so that you can show off this latest car to this person. So you can show the guy next door that I have, you know, I have a car better than your car. Or I have a house better than your house. Or I have a jet better than your jet. No, no, no. It's not for competition. That's a wrong, you know, it's not for that. It's so that you can have resources to establish the covenant. Are you listening to me? And so this is the reason for wealth. Why God wants us not just to prosper, but to, uh, to, to become rich, to have abundance. I love one scripture. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and I'd like to read it from the Amplified Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. I want all of us to read this scripture together, you know, uh, and then go to verse, uh, Yeah, let's start here, and then I think verse 8. It says, remember, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. He who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously with blessings. Go to verse 8, I believe it is. Yes. And God is able. Everybody shout it. Say, and God is, able. God is able. Turn to your neighbor, are you sure God is able? Say, I am fully persuaded that God is able to make some grace. All, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in trickles. So that you may always, no, you may when, when, when the economy is good. You may when the stock market is good. Always and under watch. And whatever the need be, self-sufficient, possessing, I didn't hear you, enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and what? There are few, if any, men on the earth. That are operating this as I speak. Tony Say We're getting there. If you believe this scripture, what it means is this every time somebody writes a letter or somebody comes to say, Oh, we need this, you will always have something to give. You, you It's abundance. So you can have more than enough. Every charitable donation. You know, even Bill Gates, as rich as he is, if he gives to everybody who asks him, within a week, the money will finish. But you know, when what is coming in is bigger than what is going out, as you're giving more is coming in, as you're giving more is coming in, as you're giving more is coming in, there will always be an abundance. You will be able to meet every need. And this is... God's purpose. As we go into the second half of this year, God wants to translate you from where you are to the place where when in any charitable donation you can give. You can give. But remember the foundation is as your soul prospers. And that's where the fruit of the spirit is very important. I'm going to close with these last scriptures. In Galatians chapter 6 and this has to do with giving into the ministry. Giving to the pastor paying your tithes, paying your offerings. This is very, 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 very important. You know, Galatians chapter 6 and uh, verse 6 to start with. Let him, I didn't hear you, that is taught in the word. How many people are being taught in the word here? Hello, somebody. Been come to this church and your pastor has been teaching you. Let me see your hand. Hallelujah. Nah, 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 don't put that hand down yet. Keep it up. Keep it up. And then look at your neighbor and say, he's talking directly to you. (laughs) Because you're being taught in the word. Hallelujah. Let him that is taught in the word communicate. Now that communicate doesn't mean talk to. (laughs) It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, oh, pastor, hello, how are you? It's not about communication like that. What does it really mean? Look at the Amplified Bible. Quickly give this to me in the Amplified. (laughs) You know so exactly let him i didn't hear you who receives instruction in the word of god share all good things with his what teacher doing what contributing to his this is god's definition of sowing seed next verse Don't be deceived or deluded or misled. God will not allow himself to be snared at, scorned, disdained, mocked by mere pretensions or professions or by his preachers being set aside. He inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. For whatever a man sows, that only will he reap. He's talking about that's how you sow. You sow by contributing the support which is tithes, offerings, giving. As you do that, God begins to Position you. He begins to position you for you to get an abundance of blessings. There are three main streams. You know, I preach a very simple prosperity message. I preach this for years. You sow, everybody say, you sow, you sow. by giving your tithes and offerings, you water, you water by praying and walking in the Spirit. Now, you don't hear that part often. You just hear about the sowing. But how many people know that if you put seed in the ground, if you don't water it, it's not going to bring any fruit? So you water, you sow, you give, you give time. But you must water it by praying and walking spirit. That's what's going to cause this domination of the soul and the body and the circumstances with the fruit of the spirit. That's why the fruit is such a critical part of the prosperity message. The character. So that when the abundance comes, you won't behave like Solomon. You behave like Joseph. Joseph is one of the most excellent characters in the Bible. God blessed him. He became the richest and the most powerful man in the whole world. You know, uh, in Egypt. Egypt was the strongest nation at that time. The Pharaoh, you know, said, only in the throne will I be greater than you. He said, ah, ah, where can we find such a man that God has given this kind of wisdom and God gave him the wisdom to store the corn during the time of uh, uh, plenty and then during the time of famine, everybody, but to say the whole world came to buy corn from Joseph. But you know Joseph's character never changed. He married one wife. Old Testament. By the time, you know, people say, oh, that's Old Testament. Yeah. Old Testament. Old Testament. The girl that Pharaoh gave him, you know, one, a princess of Egypt, you know, he gave, gave, you know, it was just that one. Only two boys. Ephraim and Amarna He didn't start misbehaving all over there. And this was the most powerful man. He could have had 10 wives. He could have had 20. I got, I got a better news for you. Do you know that Joseph had no Bible? When Joseph was alive, there was no Ten Commandments. There was no, you cannot have one, you cannot have, uh, you know, you cannot covet your neighbor's wife. There was, there was no law. How did he know in his heart? Those years in prison. The years in prison in Potiphar's house was where he developed the fruit so when the money came, he used it for what God wanted him to use it for. He, he had so developed the character of God. In the Old Testament, using the word of God, he had so developed the character of God in his heart that even his brothers that wanted to kill him, his brothers that sold him to slavery didn't take revenge. They thought after their father died that Joseph uh is going to show us. He's going to to take revenge. And they came to him and said, you know, your servant. He said, Joseph began to cry. He said, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. He said, I will look after you. And I will look after your children. And your children's children. I will nurture you. And you know what? God used Joseph to change a family into a nation. Which was his purpose. They went into Egypt as a family and they came out as a nation because one man began to understand God's purpose. He was a very rich man, very successful, but he had the fruit of the spirit, forgiveness, kindness, gentleness to all his brothers. They couldn't believe it because they knew if it was them, they would take revenge. Most Joseph said, no. So I want all of us to develop that kind of Joseph heart. The kind of heart that no matter how much money God gives you, your character will not change. See, some people, you don't know who they are until the money comes. <laughs> the person who used to say, ah, good morning. And all that, when the money comes, hmm. The Bible says so. It says the poor uses the entreaties. He said, but the rich answer roughly. Mm -mm. that's what God's working on now I'm looking like a bunch of billionaires here (laughs) hallelujah but their character will not change they will be like Jesus they will be like Joseph so God will bless you as you tithe as you give you sow seed And contribute to the support of those who teach you the word of God. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Put your tithes and offerings to the church. And as he does this, he's going to do three things. That he's going to bring your income through. He's going to bring your blessing through. One, income. God wants you to get a job. Hello, somebody. He that doesn't work will not eat. So one primary stream of income, of, of blessing, of God. Giving back to you is through your job. We give you a good job where you have good salary. But God is not limited to your job. So there's a second stream of income that God gives. And that second stream of income is investments. You make money, you save, then you go and buy shares, you invest in stocks, you invest in treasury bills and all of that. This. this is an area where some Christians have no wisdom at all. And it's God who will direct you. God will give you wisdom and say, look, buy that stock now. It's at a low price. And in six months, the, the, the price will triple. And you, be, you can make millions in six months that you could not make in 20 years of salary. It's God who gives that kind of wisdom. And I speak from personal experience. He does. Then... The third thing is gifts. God can just put in the heart of people to come and give you. Give you land, give you cars, give you whatever. Amen. Those are your three streams of, inc- of, 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 of blessing there's your work, you know, then there is your uh, investments, and then there's gifts. As you give, as you develop the fruit of the Spirit, all these channels of blessings will begin to increase. He'll give you a better job. Give you better resources. Then he'll give you better investments. Then he start, even gifts, people will start giving to you. They won't know why they are given to you. It's called favor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he will move you from where you are now to where he wants you to be. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And let's all talk to God tonight. God wants you to prosper. But it's even as your soul prospers. God wants to take you from where you are. This is the halfway of 2018. 2018. 2018 has been prophesied as a year of increase, a year of upgrade, a year in which God is going to take you to a higher level. And he wants you now to move to that higher level. He's giving you the secret. Put the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus to work. Use the blood of Jesus, the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray. Speak God's word. Pray in the Spirit. And do this consistently and systematically. As you do it, you will see the fruit of the Spirit begin to develop and to grow in your life. As this begins to happen and you begin to give, and you begin to sow seed, don't just sow when things are good. Do it all the time. Do it all the time. Make it a habit. Even if you get 1,000 naira. Make sure you tithe the 100 naira on it. Make it a habit. When it's big, you tithe. When it's small, you tithe. You pay tithe, You pay your offering because you're sowing seed. And as you water it through prayer, God will start giving you ideas. Hallelujah. He'll start leading you to people. He'll start opening doors that were locked. And He will move you on to a higher level in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's talk to God tonight. Just raise your hand wherever you are. Put one hand on your, on, your, on your heart. Raise the other hand to God. I'm sure we know this song. I'll just sing it as the Lord leads me. And uh, the uh, instrumentalists and the choir can join me. Draw me close to you.